Hey folks, welcome back to the show. I wanted to take just a second to record a little something uh, before the bumper for this episode. Representation matters. Inviting voices to the conversation that are outside of the majority, whatever that majority happens to be, whether it's age or gender uh, or lifestyle choices or any other uh, individual identifier, geography, sexual orientation, gender identity, you know, family of origin, socioeconomic status, any, any way of categorizing people, representation matters. Uh, this conversation in this episode uh, with Shefi Ben Huta is just one of the best examples of the importance of representation. You know, take someone who is a, a first-generation immigrant to our country. Sheffy's perspective, her diversity of, uh, of life experience brings so much value to the, the discourse, to the narrative of this podcast. It's a great example of what I want to see more of. So consider this your open invitation uh, to bring suggestions to me of people that you think would make a great guest uh, if you are from some minority class, whatever minority that be, any expression of a minority voice in our industry, I'd love to have a conversation and see if it makes sense to bring you on uh, as a guest. Uh, if there is uh, value, if there is uh, unique enlightenment uh, to bring to our audience here at Agency Freedom, I am all for it. So sit back, relax, hope you got a pen and paper ready because Sheffy brings a very interesting conversation. I really enjoyed our time together. I'm going to go ahead and get to the bumper now uh, and let you get after this episode. Thanks so much for joining us and for giving me the privilege of creating this thing uh, and having a little bit of an impact in your story. If there's anything I can help you with, feel free to reach out to me at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, folks, it's time for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. My guest for this episode is someone that a lot of you are going to be familiar with. She is Sheffy Ben-Hutta. I'm pretty sure I said her name correct there. She is the co-founder of Coverager, and I am really excited to have some time with Sheffy today. I can tell you right now, I'm going to be juiced along with the rest of you guys because she's got it going on and Coverager has it going on as well. Chevy, thanks so much for spending some of your valuable time with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And even people back home don't know how to pronounce my name, my last name. So it's a good start and you pronounce Coverager as you should. So that's what's important. Tell me how I say your name correctly because I won't forget it. I'm not going to get into the Hebrew pronunciation, but Ben Huda. Ben Huda, ben Huda okay. is good enough, yeah. So it, it's more of a ch sound in the Hebrew, right? It is. It's a chif, yeah. Ben okay. Huda. Ben Huda. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <That's> Aaron, <really laughs> Aaron Gordon, uh, he, he's in New York. Uh, he, he taught me some appropriate pronunciations of Hebrew words. I, I definitely have an appreciation for saying things the right way. So uh, 
Anyways, back to you here. Um, you you have quite the following, lady. I, I randomly came across you on LinkedIn a little more than a year ago and started following your content, realized how good it was, how insightful, how you know on the nose your, uh, your analysis and things is, and just became a fan, honestly. Uh, and then I reached out and said, hey, you want to be on the show? Simply because I wanted to get FaceTime with you because I think you're... Uh, highly accomplished and very interesting lady. And uh, that just makes for good podcasting, honestly. So um, I would love to hear your those five, six minutes or whatever you want to spend on it. How in the world did you get to this point in your life? Um, it, the With a name that you have, uh, there's, there's some sort of very interesting backstory uh, to get where you are now. So uh, why don't you give us a uh, you know, how you got up to this point, kind of around where Coverager started, and then we'll, you know, proceed from there. Sounds good. So first of all, the name is absolutely um, the work of Avi, which is my brother. People tend to confuse us, but I'll give him the credit. I came up with insurance entertainment, but before we get to insurance entertainment, uh, I did a little bit of a lot of things. I used to work as an insurance agent back in Israel, in the PNC side. And then I used to work for a startup and then I worked for a carrier. And how I got the coverage was basically frustration. Uh, things weren't moving as fast as I wanted to. And then there was social media and I could write about it. And I wrote about it and I picked an audience. And so I would say that before there was coverage, our insurance entertainment was basically a blog. And what I knew, what I thought I knew, uh, were the independent agents. And I was trying to push them towards social media. Use Facebook, use Twitter, use LinkedIn, create funny posts, educate about insurance. I can't say that I was successful. And so I, we shifted our audience a little bit, really not by accident, but by doing and by seeing who I was attracting. And when I realized that I was attracting consultants, the content had to change. So it had to be in, more challenging. And so I think we went from this IE blog, Insurance Entertainment, to Coverager. And Coverager is really a newsletter, and it's a research, research arm, and it's a database. So there's a lot of elements to it. And the work is a lot more harder than just saying, hey, agents, go use Facebook, or use this like cute puppy to, set pet, to sell pet insurance. I was so big on infographics. I would create and design infographics and content. And the website was pink and black. And my brothers were telling me, what are you doing? You know, it's a male audience. And I said, this is sleeping. And by the way, like coverage are like black and white because between the three of us, no one can agree on colors. I think <laughs> I was just successful recently in introducing colors. But, um, you know, as, when, I, when I got to CNA, to me, that was the peak because I was working for a carrier. And obviously, you know, coming, coming from Israel, you work for corporate America. That's like, that's huge. That was, that was the American dream. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't find my meaning. And I, I found my meaning with Coverager because I found my meaning with being able to influence what people think and what they do. And it, it really feels like we're at the center of InsurTech. And there's so much innovation around us. And we tend not to use the word innovation too much. I like to talk about change. I like to keep it real. My feet are at the ground. I mean, we bootstrapped coverage. It took forever until we made a dime. And we made a dime. Abby joined and then Isaac joined. So, you know, just part of like that immigrant story. <laughs> you keep uh, your, your dreams aren't all the way up high. They're kind of in your reach. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, I, you know, I will tell my big dreams to my mom, but everybody else, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, Avi would always tell me at the beginning, you know, I wanted to join, but I didn't know where you were heading. And of course, that was just, you know, I'm not, not going to say too much. I'm just going to do see where it takes me in. Because this is a very, very tough industry to penetrate. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. Um, I, I actually gave up. I gave up once uh, because uh, coverage is a free newsletter. And I was doing it while I was doing CNA. And it was so hard. And, you know, obviously, said, look, you've done it for a year. Take a break. See what happens. I took a break. And, and uh person reached out and said, is my email going into the spam folder? And I was like, it probably did. The reality was I wasn't sending it, but that was my, my signal. Just go back at it. And, and I did. And, and then it's, you know, obviously it's a happy ending, but 
I don't know if people realize the challenge that, you know, people say content, put content out there, but content is king if the kingdom is interested. And, yep. and, and boy, did we, did, do we work hard to make content interesting. And sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, everybody loves our bottom line, but they don't love it when they're the subject. And so yeah, I'm not going to be invited to every conference out there, but. Well, you have it. a fan <laughs> in me. There are a lot of people that write uh, in the insurance world, a lot of talking heads who like sharing their own opinion, but I feel like Coverager is a lot more than just opinion. There's, a, there's an analytical side. There is this more intellectually dense side to the content that I think doesn't necessarily play that well in the immediate attention span of social media because people want their, you know, the, the two-sentence quote that makes them, you know, just snappy on social media. A lot of your content, it takes a minute or, you know, it takes a few minutes to read through and you have to read slowly because it's, it's meaty, like there's substance to the content. Um, I, I would imagine that was a really intentional play, judging from what you just said. But I'm getting, ahead of my, I'm, get, I'm getting yeah. ahead of myself here, because okay. you said several interesting things that I want to touch on before we get all the way into the coverage side of the conversation. I have never spoken to an insurance agent from Israel. I would love to have you share your perspective with our uh, Freedom Jumper audience What's it like being an insurance professional in Israel? What, what's it like with the, the carriers and the vendors and just the whole thing of, without going too far into the geopolitical considerations, Israel is without a doubt the most complex country in the entire world because of the tension that goes back decades and the different people groups that are so very starkly aligned. And you've got, you know, Europe and America's interests. You've got, you know, the Eastern and, you know, China and Russia have different interests. Geopolitically, it's without a doubt the most complicated country in the entire world. What was it like being an insurance professional in such a volatile place? So luckily, I was only dealing with car insurance and sometimes home insurance, but I was wearing many hats. So I started out as... A secretary, I mean, I had to learn my way, right? So mm-hmm. you do secretary work or admin work and you do billing and then you present the quotes. But the one thing I, I knew and the one thing that really worked was, and the way we were competing, we were absolutely competing about price. So every time somebody says, oh, insurance is not a commodity, my experience takes me back and says, oh, good luck fighting that war. But when I would, when I would pick up the phone and someone said, I want a quote, and with the realization that they're shopping around, it wasn't an issue to ask what price are you currently looking at and they would share and I would go and see if I can get a lower price or at least explain the differences or how we can lower the price. Um, luckily, I worked for a really, really nice agency by nice. I mean, in a growing, in a growth mode, um, there weren't friendly bosses and you had to walk, work around the clock and like I certainly did. Uh, but it was worth it because I was this like shy girl that were, was afraid to leave a voicemail on, on the phone. And that, after that, I was no longer shy. Trust me. <laughs> if oh, somebody yeah. had to pay, they had to pay. Um, but Israel is very local and it's very personal, meaning in, in America, you have this whole sense of credit score. It's just like it's, a, it's a kind of an, a big enigma. And I remember when I got mine and updated, I was like, oh, it's OK. It's good. I'm, I'm good. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't have credit score at first, which really uh, makes it a challenge to rent an apartment in New York City, but I'll leave that aside. Yeah. In Israel, um, you can sense someone's last name, and sometimes that will tell you if, oh, did you read about that person in the newspaper, and do you actually want to offer a quote? So it would be that kind of a conversation. We don't have credit scores, but everybody's familiar with everybody, especially when they come through referrals, and, and they did come through referrals. Mm-hmm. And so there were really funny stories where you know, somebody's coming in with this like really high necklace and she wants coverage just for the night and what we would do and call the underwriter. And, and obviously my boss was really well connected and he had, you know, all these companies working where we, he wasn't, he is, still is an aggregator, life, life and health, property and casualty, but he had a say. So if there was a claim and maybe it wasn't, you know, black and white, um, he was the advocate. And, and that taught me about the importance of you know, just like, you know, why the independent 
agents succeed, it really is for that advocacy. Because I think education, you can find it online, especially with car insurance and home insurance. Um, and it just gets complicated as, as you move around or move up in the chain. But it was a, it was a good experience. I, I do think that in America, price matters too. We, we maybe don't like to admit it and maybe it's different with geographies. Again, like Israel is kind of like New Jersey. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the market is pretty, pretty set, really hard to introduce. At that time, it was really hard to introduce change. And I remember, and this is actually a good story because I would, I'm the fastest person. Like when I, when I work, I work, right? So I would go through all these, these portals, but I also, you know, I would trust my memory to get a quote. And I was in my early twenties, right? So I'm not going to say that I knew it all. Um, but I had passion. And somebody came in to sell us a uh, technology platform, comparative rater. And I said, I don't trust, I don't trust this. And I'm like the 20 year old, I'm supposed to trust it, but I, I didn't. And I was, I wasn't using it. And there, there was this older lady that she would go ahead and use it. And she would give estimates because the tool didn't really work. So she would give estimates and go back. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not giving any person a quote that's not like right to the, to the shekel, to the penny. But the age, you would think that the age difference that I would just adopt this technology software and she would say, oh, I'm going to go to how I, how I know how to do my business. And it would, we work complete opposites. But I was very comfortable on the phone and I didn't lose time. And I never lost a deal. Like if I lost a deal, it was because, hey, my boss acknowledged, look, we really can't get to that price. Again, it, it really was a conversation about pricing. I can't emphasize how much that was the case. And mm-hmm. this is a very, very successful insurance agency to, to this day. I mean, we started with a small office. And as far as I know, he, he now owns a building. So it just goes to show you there are a lot mm. of success stories in insurance. Love it. And a lot of poor technology. Yes, that's another thing. You have some strong opinions on that. I'm sure we're going to get to uh, later in this conversation. If you don't mind, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions and feel free to to say, you know, you're crazy. I, I imagine just from everything that I see, and I I follow what happens in Israel pretty closely. Um, it, the all of the news that comes out of there of, of various uh, conflict and you know political stuff. Um, it's it's terribly interesting. Um, definitely one of the most interesting countries on the face of the planet. When I look at traditional exclusions in uh, an American insurance policy, civil unrest and, and war are two basically absolute exclusions that every normal policy always excludes coverage for anything related to civil unrest and war. Um, I would think with as much you know, hate crime related stuff and as much conflict that just consumes basically the entire geography of Israel, especially, you know, Gaza on the West Bank and that kind of thing is much more so, but a lot of those sorts of activities are just part of life of living in Israel. How does the insurance world handle that kind of just normal everyday occurrence of, oh, you know, someone planted a bomb somewhere or someone walked into a building and shot up the place? that happens a lot more than it ever does here in, in America. What, what was that like just systemically for the insurance world over there? I think we live it, so we don't tend to overthink it because we're part of it. I think with, obviously the government will step in in case, the, in case of any terrorism act, so it doesn't yeah. all fall on insurance. But I do remember uh, my mom having to go and visit my brother who was in the army and you know obviously she drove the car through uh, basically an Arab uh, Arab area and you know they throw rocks and it hit the windshield but it wasn't it was covered through insurance because it was windshield coverage so they'll do that separation and they won't try to drag you through the mud of bureaucracy mm. uh, in, in my opinion right that that's that worked out successfully I mean and my mom was okay so it was just only property damage you know obviously for the um, losing your breath for, <laughs> for a minute or two yeah but that's that's Israel, and my brother was in combat so for a bit, so it it came with the territory. Yeah, we don't, you know. Um, I would say I would say like there's almost like we we have to think about flood insurance as much as we have to think in Israel about terrorism and and obviously accidents is, is a really big issue in Israel too. 
uh, with motorcycles and, and with bikes. So it kind of all balances out. So yeah, I, I don't find that terrorism is an issue. I find that politics is an issue. The economy is an issue. Um, the division between the states and the different groups, that's an issue. But, and that's really like one of the, re that's one of the major reasons why I'm here in America and not in Israel, because it's the, some wars you can't win. I mean, we're definitely not going to win the Arab war. That I'll tell you. That's yeah. I'll tell you what my grandfather told me. So or yeah. told my mom. But um, well, it, it's so interesting when you look at the history of modern day Israel of the the decision from the British government in 1947 and the fact that basically everybody who's there now is an immigrant. Almost everybody. Uh, it's. It's very interesting. Thank you for indulging my questions. I definitely want to be sensitive of your personal experience because, like you said, you know, when you live there, you know, permanently, you get somewhat accustomed to things just happening around you, and it doesn't make that much of an impact from someone on the outside looking in. Thinks, oh my gosh, a car bomb went off three blocks from your office. You know, something like that that we, from the outside perspective, would be thinking is just cataclysmic. But for you, it's it's a Tuesday morning. Uh, you know, yeah. just something like that. So, um, it, you know, you bring when it September to... 11 happened, I was, I was at that agency. I was telling you and my mom was texting me, Oh, um, the twins crashed. And, uh, in Israel, there are two buildings also called the twins, which happened to be near by, by my work. So I immediately, my mind went to, okay, another, another bomb. And then mm. she keeps texting me and I realized, okay, okay we're talking about the United States of America. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I really, I really remember that. I remember the chair that I was sitting in and, and, and the shock and yeah. And I was speaking with my friend here and she said, Oh, we didn't leave our houses. And so it has really, mm. uh, in, unfortunately it's, it gets better. I have to say it's always better than what it used to be. But in some, so, in some so let's, that's a good stopping point for that chapter of the story. How did you come to, to move over across the pond and come to America? What was that experience like? Uh, you, you mentioned previously that you were at a tech startup. I'm guessing that was before CNA. Was it after? That was before. So, you know, everybody said we, you know, we, we don't choose insurance. The career chose us. And that was certainly the case with me. I was offered the opportunity to work at this agency. I wasn't looking. But I said, of course, but once I, and I was working and completing my degree. And once I completed my degree, I said, okay, I'm just going to hand in my resignation and find what I want to do with my life. Um, and I was, I was interviewing for a startup that was in stealth mode. It was, and it, it happened to be a startup that sold technology software to independent agents. But I love the experience there. And it's called CPAS. Now it's called Bolt. So Bolt um, basically brought me from, from Israel to America. I was their account manager. And we were selling a, um, like the CPAS bridge. So basically the tonic of the world or Bolt Penguin. All the mm -hmm. aggregators, right? It wasn't, yeah. obviously there are, there are many, many solutions like that. But um, I ended up just, uh, I ended up choosing a tech startup but in the in, in the insurance industry and i worked there for a few years that's how i met folks at cna and at hartford and traveler but i guess i, I clicked more with the folks at cna and they offered me a position and uh, left new york moved to chicago for a bit started to blog i mean i i think you know obviously there's not one thing that makes you do something for so many years right there were a lot of things i blogged but I also got my MBA and that was an eye opener. So if anybody's ever questioning their education, I don't think you ever regret your education. So MBA was a, was a really, it did wonders for me. Uh, my professor was Scott Galloway, if, if you know him from section four. Hmm. And he would just basically, oh, you know, he would, he would force us to use social media because we would be graded on it. So I had to come up with topics. And so that was another reason why I focused, focused on Twitter and LinkedIn and social media. And the greatest thing at the time was when I was working for CNA, they absolutely loved it because they said, look, you can use this knowledge and bring it over to the independent agency channel. So we would visit agents and talk to them about what's new. That's how I learned of Ryan Henley. I mean, I'm pretty sure I knew of Ryan Henley before he knew 
of me. And so I would recommend just follow him because he's putting content out there. Obviously the conversation has shifted dramatically, but for those of you listening, you know, back in 2013, 2014, you could make money off of Facebook. Now you cannot. So the conversation has shifted and I'm no longer marketing to independent agents. Thank you very yep. much. But I'm describing you the, the good old days. So it was that it was a, you know, it was a school project and it was working at CNA, but having extra time because I was in Chicago and, you know, left my friends in New York. So I had a lot of time. I, I always had a lot of passion. I'm very passionate about what I do. Sometimes that means I raise my voice at my brothers, but usually it just means that uh, if I do something, I love it. Um, you know, with the exception of sending the voices, I hate that, that part of the business and, and speaking with my accountant. Mm. Yeah. I don't know anybody that enjoys that part. You know, <laughs> I, it, it's so silly to, to hear other people's perspective on, you know, that whole social media side of things, especially from a historical perspective, you know, in, in the groups that I'm in that are filled with independent agents, a lot of newer folks uh, that haven't been in the game long enough or that are trying their hand at new things. If they've been in the game a long time and are trying to, you know, evolve and innovate, you know, they ask questions about how do I run ads on Facebook? And I'm just, I almost want to just raise my hand and say, don't bother. You're about five years late. Don't, don't even yes, try. Don't bother. Don't, yeah, and then nobody, you know what they'll tell you? Oh, but it's just going to be a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. That's not that's You might not as well answer. take your money out of your wallet, light a match, and set it on fire. At least that way yes, you get yes. a little bit of warmth before the money just disappears. Do <laughs> you see? That's what I, I told you. I'm not working with, I'm not targeting independent agents. There's enough of you out there that do that. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is. Oh, man. It's such a silly thing. It, the way, well, I just hit the blue button and boosted the post. It was like, well, you'll never see that money again. I, I hope you wished it well. <laughs> so the, the journey to CNA, you go to Chicago and you do, uh, you start the insurance entertainment blog. Yeah. How did the exit go? Cause CNA is a great blue chip carrier. They're very good at the things they want to be good at. What made you think, you know what, maybe it's time to leave carrier life. Um, this is a bit of a personal story. I think that the, I knew that I wasn't going to get from, I knew that CNA wasn't going to take me where I wanted to go with my career. The hardest question was answering, how do I get myself? Where do I want to go? Because at that point I said, look, I work for an agency. I worked for a startup. If a carrier isn't good enough, my bet, saw, my bet was that anywhere else I'm going to go, I'm not going to be as happy. And the I'm Israeli, right? If you ask us, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? We say, we want to be happy. We want to live to 120. We want to be happy. That's that. I, I actually answered that in an interview and I, I didn't get the job. So I'm a really bad interviewer. Hmm. I just say it like it is. And, and there is an element of BS in, in the American interview process. One of yeah. which was, um, my, my, one of my managers at CNA, she said, you know, you didn't ask me something in the interview. And I said, what is that? You didn't ask me when's your next, how, how, what's your trajectory? Uh, when are you going to get promoted, etc.? And I was like, I was telling to my, I was talking to myself. I always talk to myself when it's a kind of a BS question. And I said, you know, the answer to that, the answer is that who else is, who is going to leave first for me to take his position or her position? That was the case at CNA. None of the folks that I worked with at CNA currently work for the Calier. There was constant change management. There were really good intentions, but they were for a very short period of time. It was very focused. We would do one good project a year and hooray. Um, the best part was going out and meeting independent agents and forming those relationships and talking to people. I really enjoyed that part of my job. And I really enjoyed that they let me, they let me blog because at that time CNA didn't have a blogging policy. It was really too early. I was, I was a first mover over there. So when I realized I was, a, you know, I, I said this was a personal, personal question, because what happened was, uh, we were, we were a bunch of us, maybe five at the team, and the man, the director leaves, and somebody comes over and says, Okay, by tenor, okay, that girl over there, do you want a promotion? And I was the last one in to the team. And I said, Oh, my time is precious. 
And I left and I, I, you know, I said, okay, I'm leaving. And it was a very short process, right? So I think I was out the door in, in two weeks or so. But I, I always knew where I was leaving too, because by then I had insurance entertainment. We called it IE, so it was the newsletter. It wasn't because I had the benefit of knowing that I'm going to be okay financially, but it was because I knew exactly, at that time I knew where I can take insurance entertainment. It's not because I understood the market so well, but I just, I, I had this intuition. I was doing what I loved. People were picking up on it. All of a sudden I had all these consultants and I said, well, I know this doesn't exist and I know people need to read and I know it's not enough for you to go to a conference once, twice, three times a year to understand what's new, what's not working. Um, but then it just, it, it wasn't an overnight success, but it just, there's, there's no overnight success. I don't know, maybe oats are overnight success, but um, it, it got picked up from people, good people, bad people, I mean, uh, insurance thought leadership. I remember at the time it was something, I don't think it's anything nowadays, but you know, they came up with their IE edge and that was, they kind of stole our IE, but I was too small to fight it. So that was the transition from insurance entertainment to coverager. So 2016, I walk into InsurTech Connect and there was like these big IE edge signs and people confused me with them. And Avi said, you know, who picks insurance entertainment? <laughs> and I said, well, I needed an, you know, I needed an, uh, I needed, a, you know, two words that didn't go hand in hand because obviously Shafi Benhuda, nobody can pronounce, right? So he laughed, but then he came up with coverager, and I, I didn't love coverager at first because I loved my baby was insurance entertainment. I worked so hard on IE, and you know, obviously, it, it. I didn't think it was a fair play, but life isn't fair in Israeli. I know that, right? Yeah. So what do you do? You, you decide: do you fight or you flight? Typically, typically, I'm a fighter, but in this case, it really worked out for the best because we got one domain name. Avi till this day is going to tell you, I don't know how nobody took it, etc. So it's just um, kudos to him on coming up with. Till I mean, he's the creator, the creative in the family. So any branding word association, it's uh, it, it just really goes through Avi. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. It, I love hearing this story because it, it hits so close to home for me. You know, I had a terrible brand before Riskwell. Uh, James Jenkins and Associates was the name of our company. It's just awful. Um, but we spent six months researching and just crunching on a whole bunch of ideas and ended up settling on Riskwell. And the, the process made me really appreciate brand and logos, and just the way that a company's identity uh, goes out to market. So, you know, when I first heard the name Coverager, it was like, oh, what's that? And come to find out, it's it's a newsletter in a, a content factory. I was like, that's a really cool name. I like that. Uh, so hearing that it came from Avi, um, yeah. that, that's, you know, it just adds so much flavor uh, to the process. So so you you get the name Coverager. How did you stand it up? Because it's a big deal now. Like carriers all know you guys, all the insured techs, all the big names in our industry, they're very aware of coverager. You can have anybody sit for an interview that you want. You can get anyone to pick up the phone in the whole industry. You've earned that credibility over the course of several years. How did you get it started? How did you build momentum? So I, 
you know, obviously there are, there are two secrets to coverage are, and I will, and I will share them. One, uh, it's a free newsletter, but just because it's free doesn't mean it's good. Coverage is also the best newsletter. And so the, that's one, that's one secret, right? You have to do what others are not doing. And insurance, it's paid to play. When it's not only paid to play, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of like corporate readership, but, but corporates don't read. I needed the individual. I needed the person. I needed myself and CNA. So I needed to convince that person. You got to choose. You, you fell into insurance. You got to choose insurance now. And that's what I tried to do every single day. Like at some point I said, I fell into this industry. I left. I chose it. Of course, that, you know, the sexy story is somebody offered me an insurance position. But along the way, um, there was also a lot of rebuilding and standing on my feet and realizing what I didn't like and what I liked because this is an industry where you can be a lot of things. If you choose to be average, that's your problem. I don't, I'm not targeting you. The second thing you got to do or got to understand is that it doesn't matter what you do once in a while. It matters what you do every day. Every day we come up and we know, and at the beginning, this was the hardest thing. I mean, I remember my, my mom was with me from before there was, it was just when there was an idea. Okay. So I'll, I'll always bring her up, right? Because when I have a crazy idea, I speak to her. When I fail miserably, I, I speak to her. There's a hole in the bank account. I speak to her. But I remember when, when I told her, you know what, we, I, I keep sending these newsletters every at different hours of the day. I have to be consistent. They need to know when they're getting the newsletter. I said, how are you going to do that? You have two jobs. It's just don't, don't take that added pressure. But you have to. You have to. And you find time. By the way, you know, I remember somebody gave me a Fitbit once for speaking for a speaking engagement years ago. It turned me crazy. Like I, I wasn't moving. I was always sitting in front of my computer. People tell you there's balance. I had no balance. All I did was work. All I did, and I loved it. And I loved it looking back and I do it again. I don't know if I have the energy because back then you think something is going to take quicker. It doesn't always, it's a process, but you go ahead and you do it and, and you take where whatever like moments of happiness you have and you move forward. And there were a lot of those, you know why? Because this is an online business, but you reached out to me and somebody else reached out to me. And this person commented that it succeeded in their business. And this person got promoted because he used whatever uh, startup I used to, you know, to find partnerships. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, I never got the promotion I wanted at CNA, but here are my readers and they're, they're starting out just like me. Maybe they're even younger. They're achieving what I wasn't able to achieve. And that is just the best satisfaction in the world. Now, of course, you have to build a revenue model. So coverage was free for a really long time because you had to build an audience. And, but, and I was making like, I was making enough money to just, you know, ads there, but they weren't consistent or, you know, events over here, speaking engagement, pathetic pricing. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing in terms of that. Someone once gave me a tip, you know, you, you make prices up as you go. So don't listen to that advice. Okay. I once asked, I went back to that person and asked for a quote on something and it was outrageous. So I don't think he made it up as he go. He, he thought very, uh, very thoroughly about the time and the effort and the price to put. And I yep. have to tell you, like one mistake is when you start really low, you put a price to something, then it is so hard to get people to change their mindset. And that that's a battle we want. Because we had the free newsletter and it's always going to be free. But then we started to put um, coverage or posts, which is the ability to, to upload news to coverage. And it started out, it's, it's a monthly subscription. And boy, some of the, the emails I've received from PR companies that were so used to me picking up every press releases they send my way. And, you know, the kind of, it was kind of, it was almost like, how dare you? It wasn't, oh, thank you for covering us till now. It was like, um, sometimes I was being attacked and I said, gosh, you know, somebody once told me you have to start with the, with the money and then go back. I mean, I didn't do that. And it's like, you can't always win. Um, but you have to know that you have a business that you have a revenue model. That's really important. I mean, I can talk about passion and love and insurance and content and, 
that's great. But at the end of the day, Coverger needs to pay salaries. And mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that probably started around 2016. So good three years of figuring things out very slowly, doing CNA, doing that, doing a little bit of everything. And then 2016, there was a Coverger name up. And then there was a data platform. And then a year after, there was a research component to it. Um, I'm a big fan of subscription models, so super important because yep. you get a chance to kind of know what's coming a year after, and then you build long-term relationships with just fantastic folks in the industry. Something else happened in 2016, and I think it may, you're shaking your head because you know where I'm about to go. It, I think it may have had something to do with the explosive growth that Coverger enjoyed in 2016, 2017, 2018. You know, it's maybe 2015 a little bit, but really I see 2016 as the year that InsureTech really became a thing. You know, the Hippo, the carrier, made its huge splash in 2016. They're the first ones to, to do the big third-party scraping of data. Really innovative carrier comes on the scene in 2016. A lot of different vendors come on, you know, VC-backed, private equity-backed, innovative vendors come on. And the word InsureTech becomes a thing around that time. Right. You, you know, I know a little bit of it is, is luck and, and you know, divine providence uh, if you're in that sort of thing like I am. Uh, but what a perfect time to launch Coverager and, and really start to hit the big time right as you're getting so many interesting opportunities to talk about things. Yeah, so, so God is in the details. I believe that. Absolutely. Um, He's interested will... <laughs> in all the little details. He doesn't lose anything. Of course. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. And 2016, so there was insurance entertainment, i.e. Uh, InsurTech wasn't so much of a world, a word. And if it was a word, there was a lot of debate whether it should be a word and with an mm -hmm. E and without an E. Some st really silliness, but all with uh, with just good intentions. And it people would we would always cover change. I'm a very practical person, so they did. Well, what do you do? I write very good emails for a living. Uh, what do you do? I cover change, right? That's that was that was how I, I described what I do. And, and besides, like in an elevator, you never want to tell people you work in insurance. Or if I don't want to ask, I don't want them to ask follow-up questions, I'll just say I work in insurance. But the, the when people used to say, oh, you're an insure tech newsletter, I didn't like it at first, to be honest. And then I, and then I realized, uh, first of all, you know, perception is reality. And just run with it. Uh, and the reason why I didn't like it was because it's really hard to to create this divide between insurtech and incumbents. And if you remember back in the days, AXA Excel had this like big website that said big web page that said we're we are insurtech, something along those lines. And then they show their investment in Slice and Lemonade and Trove and where is Slice? Where is Trove? Okay, Lemonade is still standing. Um, so it was you know, to me insurtech is a mindset, but it's, it, it was just a matter of understanding the, the, the opportunities and, and doing better and, and changing, right? So it was just all about change. But yeah, it worked really well for us. I think we were the first to to promote. I mean, I remember we have a lot of automation tools, which helps us be a very small team. So we track companies, um, insurance companies that are created. Uh, whether they first announced themselves on Crunchbase or on angel.co and then we track press releases. So we've got all these like tools or automation capabilities that, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm able to see who updated their company page or what product was introduced. And then I figure out, okay, what's, what's worth writing about? This wasn't, you know, back when I was working at CNA, this is improvement over time, right? Back then it was just a lot of time uh, going through Google. But one of the things I spotted was the InsureTech Connect website, so their first conference. And I picked that up. And I remember one of the co-founders emailing me and saying, oh, you just kind of gave us the, I mean, we knew we wanted to pursue this, but we've seen the interest now because of this publicity. So this was, so Coverage was before 
even InsureTech Connect and InsureTech Connect, if, if it ever needed validation, got its validation from my audience. Because again, my, my audience was always interested in, the, in these little changes, big changes, yep. little changes. Little changes are actually more meaningful sometimes because what, I mean, we're, look at lemonade. Like we, we went from lemons to lemonade and we've spilled some lemonade along the way. So people mm-hmm. are making fun of InsureTech, but, but it's, it's all, it, the grand scheme of things, this is so much better than where insurance was a few years ago. It, it's got to feel really good for you, Sheffy, to have a small part in so many success stories where you are able to have that personal connection back before ITC was a thing. And now it's the event for that side of the industry. If you're not in Vegas, if, you don't, if you're not in the vendor hall, you are completely irrelevant in that world. Like if you don't show up, you're a nobody if you're not at ITC. And I think you're somebody if you're not. I haven't showed up in ITC for the last three years. So you, you are somebody if you don't yeah. show up at Vegas events. But the importance is, is, that, is understanding how to align yourself. You, you need to reach a crowd, right? Yes. Um, not, but, but then this, this, this too is really important. Quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, especially if you're in the content world, you think that, you know, there's always these goals and what doesn't get measured doesn't get improved. And yeah, yeah I've done my MBA. I can yeah. preach that. Mm-hmm. When you build your business, you put that aside. You think about, you really do start with why, and then you want to see improvements. And then you have to, you have to understand that in B2B and especially in insurance, all sorts of quality people and not so quality people and who are you marketing and how you're marketing and how are you reaching that audience so i think it's sometimes really important to say first pay attention to how you grow and this is if you're an agent it's how you grow if you're you know if you're in the captive world if you're an independent agent if you're coverage it's how you grow we decided we're growing online yeah but it's also a matter of understanding i mean there's so many people interested in insurance who are you targeting? And, and for the most part, we target carriers and, and and VCs and reinsurers, right? And then obviously there's a lot of technology um, vendors out there that come. I think, I think what is unique is we learned along the way that we were attracting non-insurance companies. So, because they're interested in insurance, right? Ford is interested in insurance. Amazon is interested in insurance. Everybody Facebook. wants their yeah. slice of the pie. <laughs> Absolutely. I should clarify, just so I don't offend half the audience. I've never been to ITC either. Um, So (laughs) when I said you're a nobody, I meant if you're an insure tech company. Um, Yeah. So I figured I should clarify that because anybody who knows me is like, wait a second, James, you've never been to ITC. Does that mean you're a nobody, James? You're everybody. No, yeah. You're somebody. You know, you'd set me up for a perfect segue to what I think is one of the most interesting topics. And I imagine you have strong opinions on this because you brought it up before we even started recording. You called it a hot take. So I'd love to get your hot take on this. The topic of embedded insurance is all the rage, whether you love it or hate it. It, Everybody who is tapped into what is happening in our industry is definitely aware of this thing called embedded. Some people may know exactly what it is and how it acts. Some people get embedded and a QBI type of interface confused, uh, where it's a, a digital brokerage where you click a button and request a quote. That's not embedded, by the way, boys and girls. Um, that is a you know quote bind an issue. Totally different things we're talking about here. But what is your take on? what the next chapter is, because it seems like everybody is coming in and grabbing their slice of the pie. Ford's a great example. Every automaker, it seems like uh, Toyota does, Ford does, uh, GM does. They have their own internal insurance division where they're attempting to sell auto insurance at the point of sale. Like they're trying to package and they're still trying to figure it out. They don't know what it is yet, but they're, they're trying. Google tried and failed. Amazon tried and has kind of failed from my perspective. They haven't found traction yet. What does it look like in the future for all of these non-insurance players that are trying to grab a slice of our pie? 
Okay, so so here's what so it's embedded insurance is a strategy. Uh, insure tech is a mindset. Embedded insurance is a strategy. Most of it applies to most of the carriers. It applies to most of the insure techs out there. Now, here's what we know. We know insurance is universal. It's a product that everybody needs. More importantly, we know that insurance is neutral. You put, a, you put aside uh, AIG's reputation for claims or Expedia's reputation for travel insurance. People don't hate or love insurance. They just don't think about it, but they know they need it. We don't have a, pro- we don't have a problem with the product. Don't change the product. So if you understand that and you understand that there's a very, very low barrier to entry um, for folks coming into insurance. They can start off as a broker. They can start off as an MGA. They can start off as an affinity play. Everybody needs a product. Everybody can offer the product. Now you have to understand why InsurTech failed. Many reasons. I mean, uh, egos and, and just not knowing what to do with the money or running out of money and yada, yada, yada. But, but maybe the biggest failure of InsurTech was that we were trying to introduce engagement in insurance. That's not going to happen. Nobody's going to engage with a product that they are indifferent to, right? Which is really important. I don't hate insurance. If I hated insurance, I might go back to my old boyfriend, but that's not the case. That's why there's a difference between love, hate, and indifference. Super, super important to get that because you get that, you won't make mistakes. Now, embedded insurance, before we get into the technical definition, is about finding a company that has an audience it is engaged with. It's, it started off with the 1920s when Sears decided to sell insurance and they did so successfully. So there are a million reasons and, and we have the data. We, there's coverage of data. We are probably, we probably um, own the only market, market intelligence platform on embedded insurance. So if you want FinTech companies offering insurance, I can go ahead and give you over 200. And I can, t- can tell you what type of integration and for what line of business and who's offering what and who's leading. And if you know that embedded insurance is first and foremost about finding that partner, now you have to decide, well, what product, which tends to be very easy because everybody needs a certain kind of product. But this is where the work begins because now you have to decide, well, how am I going to market this? Because again, you're not just going to put it somewhere and they're going to come. That is not always the case. Um, and if it is the case, start with the product is basically short answer, right? I'm not going to get into the details because God is in them or the devil is in them, where, whichever affiliation you have. Uh, but my, my definition of embedded insurance is a non-insurance entity offering an insurance product. And I have to say, there's really, there's lots of disappointments or lots of kind of solutions that are so mediocre and lots of partnerships that absolutely are going to go nowhere. I know that I've worked on some. But if you know how to remedy those, and, and all of it is marketing and communication, and which brings me back to something really important, just like insurance is universal, just like there's no barriers to entry, there are a thousand ways to sell, market, offer insurance. And it's that, that comes, you know, that kind of boils down to creativity. There are new ideas, insurance like nothing new under the sun. We've said this before in so many times, right? But but leave it to people, leave it to people. Um, so it's to, up to, to their yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, were you? Do you well, want to finish your thought leave it there? to people. Meaning, embedded insurance, the success or the failure of embedded insurance is going to boil down to people that know how to find that market product fit. Seems easy, not so easy actually. You really have to understand. Oh, do you really want that? pet owner that came through a telemedicine chat because that actually means that the puppy may be sick or do you want to go um, somewhere else? Like you just have to understand these nuances and and today's world where there's so much data, there are so many new entrants coming in just in e-commerce and fintech and different consumer categories. Nobody hates insurance. Take that away. Whoever sold that, maybe made a buck or two back in like four years ago when, mm-hmm. when they were on stage at Insurance that Connect. But come on, you know it's not true. We don't hate insurance. We, we, my mom had a wonderful claims experience. So if you will talk about that, it doesn't always have to be about the negative. But again, the internet brings out the worst in people. Yeah. So the internet will show you the, you know, the unapproved whatever insurance that claims or 
farmer's claim, but it, that's not the entire picture. Hmm. So, that's so to, to end this episode, I have a little bit more tactical question for you. Our audience is seven or 8,000 independent agents uh, in any given month. Uh, that's that's yeah. who listens to us. There's some captive agents, you know, farmers, all state, state farm, whatever. Most of our audience uh, identifies as an independent agent of some sort. How do you want, knowing everything that you know, and it you obviously have demonstrated incredible insight uh, and, and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours of work in this space to be able to have commentary like you've had in this episode. What advice would you give? What advocacy would you give to the independent agent channel of how to take better advantage of embedded as a distribution category uh, and implement some kind of activity in the embedded space inside of an independent agency office? What, what would you want them to do more of in the future? So I think, I mean, obviously their biggest advantage is the fact that they are local. And in the root of embedded insurance, before we kind of bring in a, API and insurance at the point of sale, the heart of it is affinity. And I, I wanna make a really important point. Affinity relationships work. Um, just look at Costco and who they sell insurance traffic to. Nobody says, oh, we don't want to work with Costco because it's not integrated into the point of sale when you're buying through a cart. I think agents have all the, they have everything to succeed, but sometimes they, so they, they are independent, but then there are a group of agents. And this is really where I struggle with the groups and the associations because I think at the end of the day, every independent agent is, um, or is to, him, to himself uh, in a sense, right? So you have to start with your book of business, with your territory, and bring on the startups and bring on the community and do link redirects. I mean, you start there. You, you, you don't go ahead and build a Ferrari. And then you see what works because there's going to be some data elements that you're going to get better data than the data that you have in your AMS system that tells you what you should act on. And you know, the, the thing about moment, moment of truth and people want to buy online and convenience, we've seen that with the, you know, the beginning of InsurTech. It's not always the case. A lot of times people have time to wait for the right coverage. It's not like um, there is, you know, of course, if you're a freelancer and you need that uh, certificate of insurance immediately, well, forget about it, but that's not who they're targeting. So one, you don't necessarily have to go ahead. I mean, if you don't want to reach Gen Z's, if that's not your sweet spot, you don't have to do that. Um, but then again, you have to realize where is your agency then going five or 10 years from now? So what, what's your audience? So pay attention to the how. I said this before, like how you want to grow. Now, you can't change your DNA, right? The independent agent is the independent agent. It's going to, it's going to be really hard to change because so many things work for them as the independent agent. Um, with whatever that entails, right? It's just very hard to describe that that channel. They're not necessarily not tech savvy. They are. There's tons of tech in in that world, but they're not necessarily direct, which is okay. A lot of carriers aren't direct. And by the way, not everybody wants to buy insurance direct, right? So you can take just take embedded insurance because you can find some really solid partners. And I don't mean that you know your next uh, lawyer association. It doesn't have to be that. You can be the, the community or, uh, or, yeah, it could be a community in your, in whatever town you're at. But all that, I guess, maybe everybody's work, everybody wants to work with the independent agents. Oh gosh, we, we see that all the time. But maybe my point to the independent agency channel, if, if they are listening, and I hope they are listening, is that look at what happened. First, like in 2016, people, attacked you collectively but then when they came and offered you a hand you joined them collectively but this is the point where i tell you that this is not a collective win the agent working with lemonade is the agent working with lemonade it's not the independent agency channel working with lemonade and lemonade still sells their story so I guess what I want to say, I think I said this, you know, sometimes you have to decide whether you fight or, um, or flight, yeah. fight, 
embedded insurance is your fight because you can bring in that next partner. And what are you basically doing? You are introducing a non-insurance player into the insurance sector. I don't think there's a better cause that exists right now. It's, it's better job opportunities. Your employees will get excited because it, they get to learn. I mean, I was just being independent agents after a while, you know, enough with the church stories and the football stories. Okay. But imagine how exciting it is to work with people from different industries with different skills. It's yep. just exposure. And it's all around a universal product that, that independent agents know how to sell super well. I don't care if they do it on price, not on price, whatever it is. They have the conversion rates. They have really good conversion rates, okay? Dealer yep. policy will stick with this 15%. Agent, independent agents will laugh at that. So, yes, there is a reason why you are successful. You can probably be a lot more successful than you think. You make such an excellent point to, to end this thing on, and I know we both have to run. Our time is up here. I, I think it's very interesting that you chose the lemonade offer you know, when that email came from a lemonade through AmSuisse, uh, that, that MGA relationship, they're like, hey, do you want to sell lemonade insurance? I was like, see this middle finger right here. Because I don't forget what you. I don't forget what you guys did just a couple of years ago. You were actively talking trash about my whole channel. I don't forget that lemonade. So you can take your appointment offer and shove it. I'm not interested. Good luck. <laughs> Yeah. So I know most people don't feel that way, but I do. And it's like, you, you can't expect us to have that short of a memory when you're actively marketing and telling people, you don't need an agent, come direct to the carrier. We'll save you that commission. We would have paid the agent and put that premium back in your pocket. It's like, okay, cool. Hey, by the way, lemonade, nice loss ratio. How's that profitability looking? Oh, how's your stock price looking? 20% of your IPO. Ooh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, I sorry. You touched a little bit of a nerve, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm a little <laughs> bit uh, about the whole lemonade thing. It's a great example of carriers just openly disrespecting the agent and expecting us to have a short memory. And I, I hope people have a longer memory and they don't contribute to their own uh, difficulties in the marketplace. Let's put it that way. So... We can have a whole other episode about <laughs> conflict of interests. But, oh my uh, gosh! I just you, you, you got to do right. what's right for because I mean, I know that there are agents trying to sell certain lemonades products that are currently not offered through the agency channel. Pet insurance is one. Mm-hmm. So there is one side of agents that are going to fight this independent agency battle. I think you are on that side. There are a different side of, there are different agents or different group of agents. Each one is doing what's good for them. Yep. You're Just right. as long as you're winning, it, regardless of what camp you are, that's, then well, you know you're in the right path. I know who's winning and that's Coverager. I know who's winning <laughs> and that's the people that subscribe to Coverager and get the information that is so thoughtfully curated for them. Shefi Ben Huta. This has been just the most enjoyable conversation. I'm going to go ahead and skip the other stuff that was prepared uh, and move you to the the next on the list. You're going to be episode 88 uh, that drops a week from Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, Actually, our our friend uh, Ryan Hanley, his episode drops um, on Friday as we record this. Um, he is uh, dropping two days from now, and you're going to be moved to the front of the line right after him. So you're episode 88. I got to get this out because I am <laughs> thrilled that we had this conversation. This has been a lot of fun. So yeah, hopefully you uh, you'll so be kind enough to come for... on for a second one sometime. This has been great. Count me in. Uh, we should do a three with Ryan. It's been a while since they chatted with him. Um, oh, my gosh. Count me in, and if I can, yeah. uh, whatever you want my audience to know, my audience is your audience. Love it. Hey, I'm going to let you get back to your afternoon. Thank you so much for spending your valuable time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, everybody out there in uh, Freedom Jumperland, this has been another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. 
Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Let's go.